0: Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Good
1: morning. Man, I haven't really been here, but I've been here. (laughs) Man, I went through a whole box of Kleenexes. I'm still stuffy. But yes, there's my wife Susan and my son Collins. You know, she is is very valuable. I know I don't tell you much, because I'm I'm not the, uh, (laughs) my words of affirmation come through words of action, so I have to force myself to tell her that I love her or I appreciate her, but you're very valuable. Don't tear up, but I do esteem you, I love you. I'm, I'm being very patient right now. I um, <laughs> See, I'm not here just to teach. I'm not here to talk. I'm here to follow. I'm here to listen. I'm here to release revelation or to create an environment for demonstration or an encounter. I, I can say all kinds of stuff, but I'd rather not say anything and just stand here and cry. And if the presence of God could manifest without me even speaking. You know, what did they say in the past? You know, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm feeling the room. I, I you know, I'm going to read the scripture. I got to read the scripture. <laughs> Man, Romans, what is it? Uh, I want someone to read it for me. Romans 8, I think it's 26 or 29. I want someone to read it for me. See, I believe that when I get an opportunity, because I'm not a minister in the sense of a career. I am a minister. I understand that very clearly. I understand the kingdom. I understand that I carry a ministry. But I'm a home builder, residential home builder. But I love ministry. When you understand the essence of what ministry is is, uh, let's see here, Romans 8.26. Who wants to read that for me? Okay, let me bring you the microphone so you can let it out in front of everybody.
0: So too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness, for we do not know what prayer to offer
1: nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit Himself goes to meet our
0: supplications and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance.
1: And He who searches our hearts, the hearts of men, knows what is in the mind of the Holy Spirit, what His intent is, because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints according to and in harmony with God's will. I just sat there earlier and this has happened to me in the past and I'm okay with it and I just cried and I'm not crying because I'm, you know, I'm going through a personal encounter in the sense of like, you know, I'm sad. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm crying because I'm feeling what the Holy Spirit is feeling, what he's groaning over, what he's, what he's burdening down with. You know, the, the, the message, who was here Friday in the meeting that's here today? I had a lot of fun. And, you know, that message, you know, that whole meeting started off with the idea of, of talking about God and money. But see, the, the main thing that I'm, I'm following right now, what I'm carrying personally is, is this phrase called perfect alignment. This is, this is something I've been dwelling on for a long time, you know, and I do a lot of writing. Nothing's published. I just write, you know, personally. I have tons of articles I've written, and it's just all on my laptop. I'm working on some bigger projects. But, you know, perfect alignment is a revelation that I'm trying to articulate, something I'm trying to introduce wherever I go because it's really the message of perfect alignment is coming into thinking like God, and then you will begin to act like God. You cannot think like God and your actions not align with his actions. So if your behavior is not lining up with the way he acts, then you're not thinking like him. It's very obvious to behavior that does not come into alignment with the way God acts. It's all in Scripture, but it's just very obvious. Number one, if you say you love somebody, you turn around and slander them and and criticize them, and you're obviously out of alignment. The Bible makes it very clear that those who say they love their neighbor but then turn around and slander them, you're a liar. (laughs) I I mean, okay. So perfect alignment is this theme that I'm carrying, you know, and then Friday, you know, it was... I knew this weekend was going to be starting with money, but it's not ending with money. But I'm telling you where it's going. It's going about the revelation of what is valuable to God. Today is, is, is understanding what is valuable to God and what is not valuable to Him. And you know, Tom told me that these are made weeks in advance. Is that right? Yeah. So Friday, I knew that one of the scriptures to stand on in, in plowing into this meeting was Galatians 6:9, and so I talked about that, and I, you know, I did this this sowing of financial seed, you know, something I've never done, and you know, I had a lot of fun with it because people got touched. But Galatians 6.9 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And that's the whole message I brought Friday was the revelation of Galatians 6.9. Sowing, and when you sow, you can't grow tired in the process of waiting and doing good, because if you give up, you can't reap what you've already planted. You may go just like this. It'd be like a farmer planting a whole field of corn, walking away from it, and then never going back to it and just letting the corn mature and then letting it scorch by the sun and die and wither away, and you did nothing with it. <laughs> no one in their right mind would do that. Now, if you plant something, you wait for it to turn into what you're expecting it to be, and then you go and you harvest it. God has planted a seed, and He's going to reap the harvest of that seed. Jesus is the seed in the earth. And that seed is going to bear fruit. It is bearing fruit, and it's going to come to fruition. That seed is still there. Now, the devil has planted his seed, too. <laughs> and it's, it's bearing fruit, and it's multiplying, you know? And so, I just thought that was really strengthening. Oh, wow, that's, this is made in advance, and that's what I brought into starting the meeting Friday. But today... The Spirit obviously had something different for me to experience. And, man, my head is hurting. I mean, physically, my head was pounding. I stood up, and I thought I was going to pass out. I got faint; I was fainting. And I, all I could think about was how much physical pain Jesus must have been enduring in his body in the Garden of Gethsemane, bleeding sweat from his pores. And I think that's actually possible scientifically there's a term for it medical term and he did that so that he could bring us into a place of revelation so perfect alignment you know obviously we become perfect because of the resurrection of Jesus we become perfect in faith we don't become perfect because we earn it this is the basic simple gospel we become perfect because of faith. Now we're being perfected. We're becoming perfected. So when our thinking needs to be shifted or corrected, if it's out of alignment, the Lord comes in and he wants us to just change the way we think and think the way he thinks. I believe there's a huge revelation going on where, you know, there's... Whew, there's this, you know... I'll throw this one out there and we'll come back to it later. But, you know, a lot of people are calling for unity, calling for social justice, calling for, you know, let's, let's all get along. There's a huge, huge difference between calling for unity and demanding conformity. I am going to teach my children the ways of the Lord, what is right and what is not right, what is just, and what is unjust, and I'm not going to teach them only two genders, period. And I'm not going to conform to anything else. Not. Doesn't mean that I'm not going to get along with people and and show respect and have conversation, but do not expect me to conform to the pattern of the world and to adopt a perspective that would cause me to turn my back on the one that sweated blood because I care about your approval, because I care about your opinion. I'm not concerned. And if we truly love the truth and if we embrace that the truth is living in us, how could you stand before the Lord one day and say, you were more concerned about what that person was saying than what I did for you? It's a trick. It's just a delusion. People who are willing to compromise what the Lord has done for them is because they are probably wrestling with the concern of being rejected, being concerned of not being popular. Well, you know what? you just got to get free. you got to come to the revelation of what God has said about you and how he approves you because what they give you is just going to lead you to the, to the wayside anyway. Kind of losing track here, but, you know. So we have to define value. We have to come into the revelation of, of what God says is valuable. See, I'm not here to teach necessarily. I'm here to expand perspective, to bring understanding. And so, you know, it becomes revelation to us when we find it for the first time. See, this is all there. It's all been there before we were even born. The revelation of God has been existing in the earth since day one. But see, it's masqueraded by delusion and deception. And it's, it's, this is not new. This is not new. This is nothing new. This has been here since the beginning. It becomes new to me, though, when I hear it for the first time. It becomes revelation to me when the Spirit births something in me and I start realizing, wow, that's been there the whole time? And there's a whole bunch more for me to obtain and to see that I haven't seen doesn't doesn't mean that it doesn't exist it just means I just haven't seen it yet. So there's a lot of hype I think associated with certain characteristics of the church and church leadership. Listen, I love the prophetic. It happens very naturally. And things have happened in my life that just, you know, I don't ask for, but it just happens. And it just means that the Lord's trying to get my attention and he loves to communicate with me this way. It's just the language. It's all it is. Anybody who's prophetic doesn't make them more valuable. I'm sorry, but these days of pedestal, you know, pedestal positions. And I'm going to tell you what, <laughs> we're all down here. We're all down here. We're all down here. No, yeah. I mean, when it, oh, man, I'm not going to go on my thought where it goes. I'm going to pull it back in. But, you know, Paul considered a beating more valuable than a recognized position from someone to pat him on the back. He considered a flogging more worthy than someone giving him an honorarium. There's a shift there. There will be a shift because there will be leadership that will bring the shift. It will just like blockbuster had to just literally go away because something better came along. Something better will come along and someone will bring that better. And then what was not working will just go away because it's not efficient. It's not effective. Things that don't work just need to stop period. And if you want to understand what's not working, then keep beating your head on the door, expecting a different result. Okay, if it's not working, then why do you keep doing it? Well, because it's all I know to do. Well, then you need to find a revelation. You need to get a revelation to find out what's going to work. So Jesus demonstrated revelation everywhere he went. He was revealing what had already been living in the earth, and he was opening people's eyes. Value. It's, you know, it's what's one man's junk is another man's treasure. Something is only worth what you're willing to. To pay for it. Was I not purchased for a price that someone was willing to pay? Were you not purchased at a price? And nobody was willing to die for a righteous man. Nonetheless, someone who was wicked, lying, deceiving, cheating, stealing. Oh, yeah. I mean, the gospel is a message of true revelation, of what God thinks of humanity. You know, look at George Washington Carver. Everyone thought peanuts had no value. No value there. I don't see anything. It's just a peanut. We throw them at people. That's what they did. They took peanuts and they threw them at people. And he unlocked th- how many inventions? How many inventions? And, you know, the the real story behind it, I guess, is he asked God the purpose of humanity, and God said, you can't understand that. Let me ask me a different question. And he said, what's the purpose of a peanut? He said, okay, well, let's start with that. And it just went into, boom, revelation, 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 after revelation of the purpose of it. And that black man gets credit. He deserves credit. And I say that because there's a lot of people that don't get credit that deserve credit in the cultural dynamics of what's happening in the earth. I don't care what color skin you have. In the kingdom of God, there is nothing but flesh, period. It's just flesh. Some things aren't really as big as an issue as they are unless people make them the issue. Sometimes the mountains just need to be pushed back down to the molehill because it's really just a molehill, and you're making a bigger issue than what it really is because you're trying to keep something alive because you're trying to vindicate your own problem. You're trying to vindicate and justify your own position, your own opinion, because really you're you're wounded somewhere and you don't want to forgive. So you're going to put that on somebody else and make them fix your problem. I'm not even raising my voice yet. I, you know, I'm just feeling this out. I'm just going with it. I, don't even, I, I know where it's going is that no one will leave here today not understanding the revelation of how valuable you are to God as a person. That is the ultimate revelation of just this getting together. If you don't understand the value and the worth of who you are to God, then we need to go and we need to articulate the revelation of Jesus sweating in the garden and why he was doing that. Because nobody will make anything right in your life for the sake of you being good, for the sake of you earning it, but someone pouring out their own flesh for the sake that you could find life. So the question here would be, what is valuable to you? I, I, I want to I ask a question and, and have someone respond. Your kids. Your kids are valuable to you. Throw it out there for me. What else is valuable? Grandchildren, salvation, relationships. relationships, freedom of religion. Freedom of religion. Yeah. We're going to come to that one. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. Because, haha, <laughs> That's going to stir something up right there. Somebody else said something. The church, the church is valuable. Yeah, it's, the, it's God's wife. <laughs> you don't think he's going to protect that one? What else? Anything else? Creation is valuable. Yeah, it truly is valuable. Holy the Holy Spirit. So, you know, not once has anybody said money. No one has said money yet. Because the perspective of people in this room are realizing that money is really at the bottom of the barrel. You said something ties into everything that's happening today. Do not chase the lesser things. Chase what is valuable to God. Do not chase the lesser things. And where are the lesser things? It's what the world offers. Oh, yeah. Man, I'm, I'm getting somewhere. You know, I just woke up this morning and I was, you know, I was like, what, you know, you always just have to say, well, where are we going with this? The crying and the, the groaning, man, I don't, dude, my brain was hurting. I thought I was going to faint. I just cried and I'm like, Lord, would every, just keep pouring out the groaning. Because the groaning is the Holy Spirit wanting to reveal the revelation of how much you need to believe. You need to believe how much God is in love with humanity. And if you don't believe it for yourself, it's not going to be real for the people around you. You can't sell what you don't have. You can't impart what you don't own. You know, that, that, that's a good point. Is that it's fun to preach when people are supporting you. The real test of your faith will be when you preach to people who are trying to stone you. You know, and that's, that's very true. It's easy to, to bring something where you know that people are welcoming you because they think that you have something to impart. It's so much easier because you think, but you know, these people are embracing me because I'm a guest. and you know, But listen, I like being here. This is fun. But I'm going to tell you what, when I'm out and just living life and I find myself in a unique situation where I have an opportunity to do something with the Lord and say, hey, let's do this here. Let's, let's do this. The risk is they may not like what you say because they don't agree with it or they may feel like you're missing it. The real test is <laughs> moving in faith where faith is not existing. There's faith in this room, but there's not faith out there. So you have to bring faith in an environment where faith doesn't exist. Really requires you to find out if you really believe what you say you believe. Amen. Ah, man. Amen. Lord, breathe, breathe in the room more. Let the spirit move on people. This is, this is about people encountering you right now. Let shame leave. Let shame leave this room. The weights of not feeling worthy, leave the room right now. Let the ministry of the spirit start moving through this microphone. That, that's why we're here. We're here to see you release ministry, to release life, not just to impart a, a good teaching I don't want to pat on the back. I want to see the demonstration of the kingdom. When someone leaves here today, and said, man, I left free. I left free and I came in enslaved. What is not valuable to God? Hmm. Freedom of religion. Is he really all that concerned about you having a legal right to speak on his behalf, whether or not the government wants to shut you up? He does not. Now, he's given you freedom of religion. He's given you freedom of will. But what if someone says, if you confess the name of Jesus, you're going to prison? This is not in America, but boy, is it real everywhere else? It is real in the world. You know what? That million dollars is a drop in the bucket for the faith where you're going. Because the Lord will say, you know what? I own everything in the earth. Amen. There'll be a day where you'll believe for a hundred million. Amen. It's, it's that simple. Able to do more than you could imagine. Could you imagine a hundred million? Could you imagine 500 million? I got a big imagination now. I mean, I can, you know, I can do more than you can imagine. You know, Peter walks down to the fish. Oh, I'm supposed to find some money in a fish's mouth. Okay. I'm, I'm, finally, I'm going to believe after seeing so many demonstrations, I'm going to actually believe this. And that's how that works in our life. It takes time and time again for God to show up, to demonstrate, to show you that I can do what I say I'm going to do. Eventually you're going to get it because I've done it so many times. You can't ignore it. How do you grow in faith? You grow in faith by experiencing it. You hear it from the word, but then you see it become a reality. I have seen the bank make a $80,000 mistake in my construction business because I said, Lord, I am running thin on cash flow. You need to demonstrate now, else I am missing $100,000 with the bills in the company. $180,000 check, or what's it, $120,000 came in, and it was only supposed to be forty. dollars They said, oh, we made a mistake. We overpaid you eighty grand. We'll just catch it up next time. Yeah. Banks don't make those kind of mistakes. <laughs> they don't. They don't make those kind of mistakes. It's their job to not make those kind of mistakes. I've seen the Lord make money appear through the banking system in my company when I was running th- thin on cash flow because he knew I needed it. And I, when I did the next draw on the construction, oh, we've overpaid you 80 grand, but no big deal. Oh, I, I knew it was coming. I was just waiting for the phone call. My mom can testify to this if she was here. She, she's my bookkeeper. I don't trust a lot of people with money, but I trust her. <laughs> Where am I going with what is not valuable to God? Money's not valuable to God. Our opinion is not valuable to God. Our possessions are not valuable to him. Technology is not valuable to him. It's not. Now, I love technology. It's a great resource. But when the power shuts off, the only way you're going to read that Bible is if you got one. <laughs> I mean, I love technology. You know, you can go and find scriptures you can't remember in a blink of an eye because you, oh, I remember that verse, and here it comes right through the Google search. That's awesome. I love it. So, what is valuable to God? Mm. There it goes. Yeah. It is. Freedom of speech, is that valuable to God? We are seeing a major climate. No, that's the long term. We're seeing a major change in social climatic atmospheres. But you know, the world has, going, has been experiencing hatred and persecution for having faith in other countries. Only in America can they pat you on the back. That's okay. You ain't got to cost you nothing here oh man, it's it's going to cost something because if the power is going to show up, the persecution will be hand in hand. The reason why the power is not here is because most people don't want to take the persecution. This is real simple. Where's the power? Well, it's here. It just doesn't show up because you're not willing to be in the face of opposition because you're more concerned about protecting your own interest, protecting your mega ministry, protecting your position of being untouchable. I'm not in it for money, you know. Tom gave me an honorarium, and I said, yeah, "I'm not in it. I'm not here for the money. <laughs> I don't do this. I don't like attaching the Lord's names to things because it's not important that if I'm hearing the Lord and if I'm talking about the things the Lord showed me, it will accomplish His purpose. But He's like, if you're not here for the money, then give that check away to that lady. <laughs> so I gave it to that lady over there." <laughs> I say that as a testimony because I sowed a seed Friday financially, but I also sowed spiritual seeds, which are way more valuable because that money is going to disappear. It's going to be spent and it's going to be gone. It's going to accomplish that need for that time. But the spiritual seed, the faith that will be birthed out of that revelation of God meeting a need will now last for a long time. The spiritual seed is much deeper and much stronger than the natural seed. circle back to get on track. I'm just you know I'm just talking, I'm just sharing and and you know hopefully there's faith being stirred up in the room. So what is valuable to God? Number 1, testing of your faith is more valuable than anything you could ever earn through schooling, education, business success. And is your physical body even to value? that God would not put you through something that would cause you to actually see the revelation of who he is? Now, I'm not talking about physical pain being endorsed by God. It's not what I'm saying. He's not endorsing sickness. But look at Job. Did he really care about Job's body? Did he really care about him getting the pain physically? No, he was concerned about getting deep down inside the stone of his heart and finding out what is it that you're really not being honest about because I will take everything from you. I will show you your true position of a man. You will lose everything that you think has value and you will even start losing your health until you start getting to the revelation of when I question you. Where were you when I laid the heavens out, Job? Where were you when I brought the Loch Ness out of the sea? Where were you when I threw the stars up in the constellation? Where were you, Job? I'm gonna tell you what, man. The mercy of God dealing with the arrogance of man. There's a lot, a lot of arrogance in the earth. Thinking that we can control climate? Thinking that we can fix our problems? People say, oh, you're preaching, Sonny. I'm not not preaching, I'm teaching. Teaching. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I'm throwing out seeds. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of bouncing off things. But, you know, ultimately, testing of your faith is more valuable than anything you could ever bring to the Lord. Why is that? Because you know that you're willing to trust in him no matter what happens because you believe that he is good and that he is looking out for your interest even if you can't see it. So what happened to Job? He went into all kinds of physical pain and torment and aggravation. And you know who initiated all that? It wasn't the devil. (laughs) I can't be going through all this. God would never allow me to endure these kind of losses. Um, you think, well, let me tell you what the devil would do. He would bless you to the point where you would forget who God is and he would put you in a place where you would think that you didn't need him. He would give you the whole earth if you would worship him and then you would forget that God is even there. You think blessing and financial increase is necessarily a sign that you're walking in alignment with God? Oh, no, baby. It's not. It is not. It's not. It's not. If anything, it could be a trap that you would rather worship that success and forget that the Lord actually gave you the two feet to walk and earn it. I'm just, man, maybe I am preaching a little bit. So what's valuable to God? Obedience. I'm trying to find someone in the earth who's moving in faith that would trust me that would just do something that I need help with. Would you be going, just do this for me? See, God has not made this hard. He's not made it challenging. He just made it so simple that we just have to be willing to acknowledge that we don't have the answer. And all we got to do is just say, okay, I'll do what you want me to do. He wrote the book. He wrote the instructions. He doesn't need an idea. And all these young people coming up, trying to, you know, I'm going to create a new way to do something. Well, if you would just find the original way, you wouldn't even have these problems. What's the worst thing that I have to wrestle with with people at work? Well, I can do it better than you. I've been doing this a lot less than you, but I know how to do it better than you can do it. God's sitting there watching every generation start over and start over and start over coming into whether or not they're going to humble themselves and say, Lord, you know, you kind of already set this all up. So what can I learn? What can I learn? I mean, it's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. Life is valuable. Marriage is valuable. Courage is valuable. Love is valuable. Having a good name is better than great riches, and having loving favor is better than silver and gold. That's Proverbs 22.1. What is valuable? That is the question. What is valuable? Your life is valuable, your soul is valuable, and the Holy Spirit is groaning and He is bearing the burden in the earth, waiting for the sons and the daughters to take their place, to carry the revelation of God in the earth, to carry the knowledge of God in the earth, so that the people who are not seeing that reality can come into a revelation. See, a revelation lasts a lifetime, a teaching lasts a week. Who really remembers everything I said Friday? But who remembers maybe a revelation that the Lord got a hold of you when you got something? Man, I got a revelation about God. The revelation carries us into eternity. See, we live a life of revelation as a believer. It's, we, we go into being changed because we're going from revelation to revelation. Revelation. God loves honest scales. He values honest business dealings. He, I'm going to tell you what, there's a lot of crooked business dealings going on, period. I don't care what industry you're in. The shrewd manager in Luke 16 was not being so honest, was he? And the man he was working for wasn't being so honest. Zacchaeus, he wasn't being very honest, was he? Being a ta- he's a tax collector, right? And then he, he had a revelation. And the only way he could make it right was to take the dishonest gain, the unrighteous wealth, and give it away and say, I will just make it very clearly that money doesn't have the value but the revelation, so I'm going to make right what I did wrong. This is how America fixes itself. This is how the church will get mature. Oh man, I might start preaching now because the church is going to mature and I have a love for the church. I used to not have a love. Let's be honest, man. I couldn't stand going to church. Oh man, oh man. Son, I know you didn't want to come today. I relate. (laughs) But when you have a revelation of how God feels about his people and that you see that you want to help them in the journey, Can I somehow help people in in the journey that I'm in? Now you want to be around those people. You don't want to reject them. Where was I going? Honest scales, business. If you've done something wrong in business, you just repent and you make it right. You take responsibility for the action. It's just, I mean... I build my whole business model on relationship, not necessarily financial success. If I made a contract with someone, I need to honor it. Even if I lose money, even if it costs me money, I still need to honor it. What do we wrap up at 12? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, most things can be condensed into 15 minutes, 10 minutes, maybe even five. You can, you don't have to take hours. Faith is valuable to God. It is the only thing that astonishes him. It is. It's the only thing that actually astonishes the creator is when someone moves in a position of faith. The faith of the centurion, I have never seen a man or woman, the lady reaching for the garment, the centurion, I've never seen any faith like this anywhere on the earth. What? It said God stood back in bewilderment what? This is actually here. There are people moving in this. Here's the ultimate driving force of what is going to cause the church to separate from those who truly will refuse to conform to the pattern of what the government or the world is trying to shove down our throat. Sorry, man church belongs to a higher authority. If you do not love the truth, you will exchange it for a lie. You will, if you do not love the truth, you will exchange it for a lie. You will not protect it because you don't value it. You will not defend it because you would rather believe it's more important to people believe that it's okay to have a confusion about your gender. No, it's okay. You, you, you can believe. No, it's really simple. There's lies and there's truth. And there's a lot of lies. There's only one truth. Same problem, same answers. It's the same problems, same answers. It's still dealing with the knowledge of good and evil. The only difference is I'm alive in this generation where the previous generation has passed off. The question is, did the previous generation sow the seed to recede the kingdom, to receive the knowledge of God, or did they... Miss the revelation, and they let their children believe anything they want. See, the enemy is doing everything he can to sow his seed too, And he is sowing his seed, and he is reaping it a lot faster than the seed of truth and the seed of the kingdom. But it's coming, man. People, people can feel the spiritual tension. They can feel the spiritual tension. They can feel the groans of the spirit bleeding over the body, It's time for you to start bearing the burden of God, bearing it with him. Because I'm going to move, but I'm going to move when you actually start moving in faith. Don't put the move of God on God. Don't put it on him. It's done. He did what was needed to be done so that now you can move in faith and bring the kingdom. You can give money. You can move in faith and you can pray for the sick. You can become a testifying witness to what you see. See, the move of God is truly contingent on those who are willing to move on the faith that brings the kingdom. It's in the room. There's power in the room. There's faith in the room. See, the call to unity cannot be compromised through a deception of conformity. And I'm telling you, there needs to be a dividing line It's already there. The plumb line was set in, is it Hosea, I believe? It was set in Hosea. The plumb line is still in the earth. And the church will not be conformed to a darkness. There will be, there's nothing wrong with saying there needs to be separation. There needs to be separation. I'm not telling you what you cannot accept and what you cannot reject, but you're not going to tell me that I have to conform to what you believe if I disagree with you. It's not, going to, it's, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to work. It doesn't work like that. Everywhere else in the world, people will say, I'm sorry. I will bear the burdens of Christ. I will take the beating. I will take the slander, but I'm not going to turn my back on the one who raised himself from the dead to give me life because I'm looking for some sort of opinion or approval or stamp of your you know, recognition. And I'm definitely not doing it because I care about building a ministry to have mega money. I mean, there's just, it's just, I'm just stirring the pot a little bit, but. If you value the truth, you'll protect it, you'll defend it, and you won't turn your back on the Lord. You borrow money and don't pay it, that's still turning your back on the Lord. Man, I'm tr- not beat I'm not. Be- I'm not- beating people up I'm just <laughs> the Lord says he hates <laughs> see we think that the only time we turn our back on the Lord is when we maybe look at something we're not supposed to look at but you know what dishonest business dealings not paying oh I'll pay you back and then you never pay him back even if it's five bucks The Lord says it's wickedness for the people to borrow and not pay back There'd be a lot more people happy if they weren't being swindled out of money. If I tried to beat contractors down and make them work for free, that's not being on a scales. And everyone knows that the church and the government needs a revelation on balancing the scales and stewarding money. And I can't get it. I'm not a pastor. And Tom's willing to let me come in here and be, you know, a, a, a guest speaker. And see, See, this is more valuable to, to see if the Lord's giving me revelation. Does this spur someone into believing more of what the Lord is doing? Five minutes. We'll wrap this up. And, I mean, you know, Aswin, did, did you get any prophetic ministry? You did? Okay. So we started Friday night off with, Understanding that God knows you have needs. You know, if the song says, God, all I need is you, all I need is you, that's, that's not really true. Because Matthew 6 clearly says, I know you need clothing, I know you need food. God, all I want is you, but I need some clothes, I need some food. You know, people come to know me, I'm not a practical kind of guy, I'm very lavish. I just bought a new truck and I put some big 22-inch wheels on it. You know, I mean, I, I bought a Mercedes eight months ago and I was like, yeah, I'd wrestle with that one a little bit. I wrestled with that one a little bit because it was very lavish and it's a very fast car. And you know what? I'm going to sell it because I probably rushed into it. My wife said, you should really think about buying this car. You, you're, it's, it's a deal. It's, it had a discount on it. And I just, you know, see, the more money you are entrusted with, the easier it is for you to spend and be more tempted. You can't. You know, you faithful with little, you're faithful with a lot. But, you know, I've, I've learned over the years, I've been very irresponsible financially. A tax man can wait. I'll pay him in a year or two or just file an extension. Oh, man, that's not honest scales. I've had my fair share of being corrected and disciplined with the Lord about managing money. And, and he told me this early, early on in my early 20s. He said, you will never understand how to steward real power until you learn how to manage money. Twenty-some years later, I'm starting to realize, wow, managing money is really more valuable than the money because I'm trying to find the riches like Peter. Say, well, I don't have gold, but I'll give you something. I still, you know, I see people, you know, sir, I see you in, in, back there in the chair, and I'm sure people have prayed for you a lot, right? The Lord try to heal you. You'll walk one day. You will be walking one day. Amen. Amen. I mean, you know, and, and the church feels compulsion to try to always encourage someone. Well, you know, you'll be walking one day. You'll be with the Lord and you'll be man. You'll be running faster than you can have imagine. And, you know, I'm not I'm not downplaying the supernatural demonstrations of God. It's, it's there. But it's like if the Lord tells you to pray for someone and you do it, I guarantee you, if God told you to do it, something will happen. I'm learning, to, I'm, learning this, I'm learning to move in faith, you know? I mean, I've seen the Lord do amazing things through my being willing to do stuff, and I'm, I'm a risk-taker, you know, I get bored. If we leave here today with anything, we need to understand what God deems valuable, and we need to deem what not valuable. But above all things, the value of your life can never be compared to other than the plumb line, the standard and the declaration of Him Bleeding sweat, thinking of who is all going to believe and encounter the Spirit of God so they could realize His intentions for your life. That, you know, that's more valuable than anything you could ever achieve with college degrees, making lots of money, being successful. You enter the world empty, you leave the world with nothing. You know, hopefully, you know, and, and, and the thing is, Who is going to defend the truth? Who is going to protect it? When someone puts out these posts, someone puts this stuff out there, are you going to defend it? That's a lie. That's a lie, man. That's a lie. There will be a separation between lies and truth. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. There, there has to be a separation. As when well, you want to come up and give some personal ministry. If anything, I, I hope the Spirit is moving on you. That he is, He's putting a groaning in your heart to to feel, to feel how the Lord feels about you. He does feel. He feels deeply
0: affectionate about everybody in this room. Um, I got a couple things. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of a book called The Intercessor by an author named Reese Howes. If anybody feels led to write that down. Um, I just felt like I was supposed to encourage this congregation to read that book and understand part of your DNA as a community that you know intercession works. Uh, the Bible says that Jesus lives to make intercession for the church. He lives for it. If you woke up this morning and you wanted to know what he's living for, there it is. He lives to make intercession for the church. That's what the Bible says. And so I encourage you to take a look at Reese Howell's life um, and how he lived. And one of the stories that came to my mind, and maybe that's the one I'm supposed to encourage you with, is the Lord told him to go and purchase a property for a school so that he could teach the way he was living. Remember how Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Reese was called to teach in Wells, a community of believers, how he was imitating Christ. And he had no money, but he bought the castle on his knees, saw it in the spirit, got up, took 15 cents and bought it in the natural with 15 cents, a dime and a nickel. It's intense. Please pray about that book, whoever that's for. Um, there was a couple here on Friday night, and man, right as I was thinking, man, I gotta share a word with these guys, there was a gentleman, um, they got up and left, and I'm, I'm, don't forget a face, so I'm just looking to see if I see them. Um, man, I guess they were just here Friday night, but um, I was describing the word of Jonathan, and I'll give it to him if I see him again next time I'm here. The other thing the Lord gave me was Ruth chapter three this morning, and I'm trying to understand But the thing that was highlighted to me is this beginning verse, verse one. It's what Naomi said to Ruth. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Wow, isn't that powerful, man? Now, the Lord left these stories in here for us, for us to be encouraged, for us to be guided. So that when we catch the Spirit, life will jump off the letter. And we remember that the letter kills. Literally, man, it's, it's that powerful. It can mess with you the wrong way if you do not have the Holy Spirit. If the Spirit of God is not with you, this Bible, I'm sorry, it's my phone, my Bible's in here in my app, this Bible will kill you. The letter kills. But the Spirit gives life. The Spirit of religion kills but the spirit of Christ gives life. The spirit of legalism kills, but the spirit of life, the spirit of Jesus gives life. And so someone in here, uh, I felt like the Lord was highlighting the second part of this with Ruth um, to encourage a woman. I don't know who it is. I don't know most of anyone here. Um, I encourage you to look at chapter three and recognize what God's doing for you right now. Pray about chapter three and recognize what God's doing in your life right now. He has a kinsman redeemer for you. I don't believe this church needs to be redeemed. So I believe that words for an actual individual. This church is fully alive and awake in Jesus. There is a a woman in here that needs the kinsman redeemer. And God has appointed that person in your life. They're there. And he's going to show you how to put the pieces together. Um, the young man that's standing at the back door in the green shirt, um, I feel like the Lord has given you a prophetic anointing uh, for you. The, the, sh- the strength of it is in the word of knowledge. Um, raise your hand at me right there with the green shirt. What's your name? Joshua. Joshua. Uh, the Lord has given you an anointing um, with the prophetic word, and there's a strong anointing on the word of knowledge. Now, a word of knowledge is when you speak to somebody, something that's in their life that you can't possibly know, but you heard it from Jesus, and he gives it to you so you can give it to them. Then they have confirmation. Oh my goodness, the Lord is here. What is he wanting to say? Then you can prophesy. But he's giving you an anointing for the word of knowledge so that you can prophesy a word of prophecy. And the, the other thing that I saw, um, the Lord had anointed you this may sound weird. I'm going to remind you the Bible says let God be true and every man be a liar. I'm just a man, so you'll have to test it with him, throw out all the bath water, and hopefully we get something birthed. But there's an anointing for you as a designer. And the Lord has given you an incredible anointing, an incredible eye, a keen eye to see design. And I encourage you to really invest yourself in that area. Ask the Lord, test it with Him. One day in 1997, I walked into a church. I did not even know what prophecy was and this man prophesied to me you're going to wake up in the middle of the night and there's going to be a notebook and a pencil beside your bed and you're going to start writing songs you're going to hear them in your dreams and i was like man this this dude is way off i was a boxer at the time i'm like man i'm a boxer i ain't writing no sissy songs for anybody coming out of my dreams i didn't even like i didn't, i felt queasy that he was talking about me dreaming <laughs> and i want to encourage you <laughs> i mean i it, it, like 2 years later i woke up in the middle of the night writing songs and then had a number 1 at billboard so he was 100% right. I was just completely missing it. I had no clue that God was trying to get a message to me through another person making me feel uncomfortable and out there. You have an anointing. I believe what the Lord has shown me. It's an anointing for design. The other thing I felt like the Lord showed me, I saw you. Uh, I just saw a picture of you clicking um, dirt off your heel and it um, looked like you were standing on a golf course. And I believe the Lord has really anointed your mind for strategy. Understanding where things can land. Where things can take off. How things can get there. The weight, the velocity, the momentum. There is an anointed brain in you. Um, I encourage you to get before the Lord. Get on the horns of the altar and say, Lord, help me see the direction to take these gifts that you've given me. The last thing I feel like uh, the Lord gave me for you... um, is there's a voice in you. and You have to pray about this and ask him. Sometimes we feel like if our talent isn't as big as the other person that really impresses us, then we should focus on them doing it and we just need to get behind them and help them. But I, I feel like the Lord wants you to do it. And I wanna encourage you to use your voice. I can't be sure in what I'm seeing and so I don't wanna say it's singing, but there's an anointing on your voice and it's for a public platform. And you'll have to ask the Lord what that's all about. But, man, it's about him using you to his purpose, to his will, and his goodness in you, man. And so I encourage you. And then there, um, this lady on the back row there, Um, if you'll raise your hand. Yep. Yeah, you right there. Wow. Um, um, uh, um, I'm sure the Lord has many things he could tell you, but I want to encourage you with what I saw. I saw a picture with you with a sewing machine. And um, I saw you working on a a border um, of some piece of garment, but you were working on it and making sure that the shape was identical to the shape on the other side. And I felt the Lord had an anointing in your life that had been laid down years ago that you need to reconsider picking up. When the Lord gives you all these talents, he actually doesn't get all upset that you don't have the ability to make them all work out. He would just be broken hearted if you didn't keep trying. And so I encourage you, something got laid down. You have an incredible anointing and a gift. You don't need to worry about who's better, who's been there, done that. He's taking you there now. And if you can believe in this hour for it, just like you could have believed back then for it, He's gonna do it right here in this hour in your life. He's going to use you to weave things together, and you're a backbone to your community and your friends. You're the What the Lord was showing me in the word of knowledge is you have the ability to keep people together to make sure that this person got what that person got. You don't want anyone left out. That right there is the anointing of an intercessor. And so I encourage you that the Bible says this, that the effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous person accomplishes much. Not the quiet, contemplative thing that you can do all on your own In your prayer closet, by yourself, your way. He specifically said the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person covered in the blood. Then that's how you're righteous. Everything else is filthy rags. But the righteous person covered in the blood, their effectual, fervent prayer accomplishes much. You're an intercessor, and God has anointed your eyes to get results. And I encourage you for your community and the backbone that you are and the way you bring people together, get out there and get your hands all up in there. Get them dirty again and be the intercessor. You have a natural intercession as much as you have something on your knees. And there's physical transformation for you. If you could just walk right out in there and put your hands in and let them get dirty, God will keep washing them and washing them so that you don't get burnt out. I hear this sentence coming off of, that the, man, there's burnout. I remember burnout, there's burnout. Man, the Lord has given you something so you can't be burnt out. Just trust him on this one. I see you in a little tricycle just saying, all right, I'll just pedal it. And, man, that tricycle isn't insignificant. You know, the little things that he gives us become big things for other people. Even though they're little for us, he just needs us to be good at it. But for the other person, it's grandiose. Uh, last thing I want to encourage you, Pastor. Um, you know, uh, when the, on Friday night I was telling the worship team, this atmosphere, and I hadn't felt this, this way. And so this is just awkward creative language I'm going to use, but it felt like when I was reading about Simeon, when he was in the temple all these years and Jesus was in the temple. And the Lord made sure that he didn't miss out on seeing with his own eyes what he had prayed for. That atmosphere, it obviously is here in the city, but there's a well here. And it's here in this congregation. And I encourage you, Pastor, that what y'all have laid a hold of, you get to see, man. You know, be encouraged. I think that's that scripture. Don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap. Reap. And I had that scripture last week. I didn't say anything to Jonathan about it. Actually, it was when I was, um, after I got out of the, I think the day before I got on the plane to come, John's like, yeah, I'm starting to get something, man, for Friday night. I'm starting, I'm starting to get something. And that's always exciting when you get to be a part of going to minister. And it's really fun when you go to the streets you got no team, nobody behind you. And the Lord says, man, you're going to talk to that guy in the yellow shirt. You're going to talk to that lady in the orange blouse. And you're just like, all right, so I'm not going home till I do yet. Yeah, you ain't going home till you get to all those people. They'll all be here. Now get to that one and then go to that one. Man, it's exciting when expectation is put in your spirit that something great is going to happen. And so I just encourage you. There is an excitement here for a reason. The excitement is not because we're kids. The excitement is because he's actually going to let you get to see what you've been laying a hold of. And this congregation, when the young lady was up here talking about getting people in the house, getting them their application, helping the homeless, giving them a cover, a roof over their head. Wow, man, you know, that that right there is the true ministry of God, is it not? to take care of widows and orphans. Did we think that orphans were only babies or two year olds or Oliver Twist? Did we not know that orphans can be in their 60s and their 80s and their 50s and 40s? You can become an orphan as a person in this life you're living and walk on the streets and the sidewalks wandering homeless. Man, if you take care of an orphan, you're now living out the true religion of God. The Bible says in James, the true religion of God is to take care of widows and orphans in their time of need. Part two, keep oneself unspotted from this world. The, the word of God does not mess with you like a kid until you get the spirit of God. It doesn't. It really just looks like something hard to eat, something hard to digest, until you say, Lord, just give me the spirit so I can read this word and get it for right now. And I encourage you, whatever y'all been praying for, and that prophecy, um, and this is how I end it. I was reminded by uh, Mark and Sharon Fincannon of the Derek Prince prophecy that happened that you were quoting this morning. But what she said was interesting is that years ago, a gentleman prophesied that God would start that prophecy right here on this land. And she was speaking it to me with such conviction. And she lives in Atlanta, and her husband, they're working in the movie business. And I met them on a divine appointment in 06, and now here I am this year called to be in relationship with them. And I'm listening to them tell me stories about Wilmington. I started coming here again in 2017, bugging Jonathan and bugging uh, Travis and bugging Micah and all these guys that I knew from Morningstar in 99 that were on fire. I'm like, I came to the city, and I'm like, where's the prayer meeting at? And I'm bugging Jonathan. I'm like, Jonathan, where's your prayer meeting, man? You were this crazy dude full of faith on fire. You challenged me. You would speak at Morningstar School of Ministry from behind the pulpit and you ho- hoop and yell. I chasing, and uh,
1: I was chasing the lesser things.
0: And listen, the Lord told me not to lose hope. I had no choice but to keep coming to Wilmington. These men were all going to wake up, and I was going to find a river here. Yeah. I know I'm in the river. I, I know I, I don't, you know, and I I'm I'm called to live in Monroe, Georgia with my wife and five kids, and that's where we are. But I'm telling you, I know this is a river. If you could know that you're in a river, that you're in a moment of time, man, I, I mean I'm 42 before I realized it. My twelve year old literally probably thinks I'm twenty something because I'm still a kid and I play. But I'm telling you, I can't even believe I'm forty two. I don't understand how I got so old so fast. (laughs) Listen, we're in a moment of time. Now, I have caught a hold of this river, and I'm here. Y'all's prayers not only healed my son. My son came out of my wife's womb on the 18th of December. Two, Two boys, but my twin, Arrow, and he didn't have his head covered. There was no flesh on him. I watched the doctor pull him out. And there's no flesh on his head. His eyes don't open. He can't hear. He can't make noise. He has extra fingers on both hands, an extra toe on his right foot, a side of spina bifida and all these things. And the doctor had already prepared us. And this baby's not going to live for more than five minutes. They never do. And he's still alive. This is the church that laid hands on me and prayed for me. I was in this river. And I'm not one to speak about things that I'm already in a fight and challenge about. I'm a competitor. So if it's time for the battle, I am internally ready. I don't want to talk. I just want to do. But this congregation laid hands on me, prayed for me, and joined with me and my wife. And not only did my son get his healing to live, he also got a healing. I mean, the state paid for every bill. I mean, that they were trying to tell us. They sent us a social worker at the hospital. And I'm watching all these amazing, I didn't even know there was a such thing called a NICU, you know, a, a form of ICU for babies. I didn't even know. I didn't even know that men and women were passionate about working with children with disabilities, just loving them, just walking around, holding them and playing with, I had no clue. And the social worker kept saying, look, you just got to trust me. We can help you. I, you, you. And I'm thinking, I got this man. The Lord knows how to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory and and, 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 and we woke up and realized, wait a minute, this woman's saying something we got to hear. And they pay, they've already paid over $300,000 of every surgery and every bill. That yeah, that, that, that was that happened in this church. I, I, I told my wife, a lot of people have said some prayers for us, but I felt something physically on me. And I don't like to feel things from people. And I don't want people laying hands on me unless I know you're pure and your eyeballs and your life haven't been seeing stuff. I feel things, so I don't like being touched, and man, I'm being touched and anointed by everybody up here, and oh, my goodness, I felt something, and I'm so grateful for you guys, and I know you've been praying for my wife and me and my kids. It's such a gift. I'm so grateful, and when I wake up, I know people are praying for me to help my baby boy overcome this thing, you know, and you guys are a special river here. This is special if you young people dig in, if you want the anointing that you read about in these books to hit you here, so I got an anointing, I would wake up like a madman and stay in my closet for two, two and a half hours a day saying, God, I'm going to give you a 10% tithe of my 24 hours. And then I got crazy and I get on my knees and I'm young and I'm like, my knees hurt. And I'm like, you know what? I don't care if my knees hurt. I'm not going to get off my knees until they stop hurting because I'm not here to worry about my pain. I got r- weird and radical about being in his presence. And I want to encourage you, if you want the anointing and the oil of heaven to hit your life for every gift you've been given that makes people like me look better than I really am, just live in intercession. If you take care of God's things that he's living for today. He'll take care of all your things. This is all, man, that's just a bit. That's, that's nothing to me. We got this. Let's go help this person, that person. You'll do it all on your knees. You'll travel from here to Bangladesh on your knees in the spirit. Send the word. It'll begin to happen. God covers all your needs according to his riches. If he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, he owns all the hills too. Amen. Yeah,
1: um, hey, man, I want to share something with you, you in the black hat. I wake you up. God is, <laughs> Eric, Eric. Um, the Lord is trying to get your attention. I mean, he, he's fighting for your attention. He's competing for it. Everywhere you go, you're going to be disappointed until you find an answer. Everywhere, man. Everything you're touching right now, everything you're putting your fingers in, every person you're hanging out with, they are all going to fail you. They are. They're going to disappoint you. They're going to fail you. And I'm encouraging you because what you're feeling is God competing for your affection. He is competing for your attention because what he has for your life is only going to come when you actually are willing to trust him. I hope some of that makes sense because that's deep, man. That's going deep into your heart.
0: I got someone that Jonathan. What's his name again?
1: Eric? And I see, I see. uh, Hold on, don't lose your thought, (laughs) y'all. So, hey, if anybody feels like they need to go, don't feel like you have to stay. But if you're okay with me giving a little bit more ministry, because I get uncomfortable when meetings get long. But people may have things to go do, and it's okay to stand up in the middle of a meeting and leave. It is. It's nothing. Just go ahead, you know. But I'm not kicking you out. (laughs) When you run and when you take off as fast as you can. The only parachute that's going to stop you from going to the end is when the Lord reaches his hand out. See, in in those races, when they have uh, those two cars, those funny cars, and they're competing for each other, the only thing that slows them down is a parachute and the drag strip. And I'm trying to encourage you. You're going super fast right now, man. You're going somewhere, and you're going somewhere fast, but God's about to release a parachute to slow you down. Cause it's more important for him to slow you down and get your attention than for you to get to the finish line and beat the other person.
0: Yeah. Lord show me the reason why he still has you in this city right now is so that you don't lose your life when you get to the big city because of the gifts that he's given you. It's so important, you know, and, and you know, God creates awesome shelters. You musician? You musician? I don't know, but I saw a piano and I saw a baseball. So I'll start with the baseball. Um, I, you know, I saw, I saw you, you know, smacking the ball, and there was a gift for it, and, but the ball was boomeranging. It kept coming back, which is completely unnatural in baseball. I mean, no baseball can boomerang. And so you smacked it again, and it boomeranged, and you smacked it a third time, and it boomeranged. And whatever position you had yourself in on that field, you were in the wrong place to make an impact. You just need to reposition yourself on the field to make an impact, okay? And you know, a baseball field, the design is on that diamond. And there's so much process for that diamond to be great, for that diamond to be beautiful to everyone and not just the one person, but for everyone to like the diamond, a lot of cutting, a lot of shaving, a lot of prepping has to be done. And you're just in the wrong position. You were meant to be on that field of dreams, But you were just in the wrong position. You didn't need to be hitting the ball. You needed to be in another position. Ask the Lord to reposition you. Now, I saw your fingers uh, messing with the piano. Um, and, And I saw, you know, you playing something and sitting there trying to figure it out. And I'm a musician myself, so I understand when that happens. And I'm going to give you something that God gave me. I never have writer's block. The reason why is because I just say, Lord, give me the movie. I close my eyes. I act like a big kid, like I'm about to see my own movie. I see the movie, and that's what I write. And somehow that becomes so important to so many people. And I know I'm not in charge of it because I didn't think of it myself because I didn't want writer's block. So instead, I just say, God, give it to me. I don't want to be in this to be something. I want to do what you're doing. And if you can say to the Lord, I just want to do this for you, then he's going to give you everything you need to do it. And the other thing that I saw is um, um, a writer's team. And the Lord's going to set you up to have a team of writers to help you, to empower you. But you got a real gift, and the Lord gave it to you. Um, Any musician should pray, Lord, let my tongue be like the pen of a ready writer. Not to write hit songs, but to write his song. His song gives you the hit song. And if you can write his song, you just wrote a hit because it's going to touch someone. And he's not after stats and charts, he's literally after his souls. The last thing that I had for you um, is um, I saw a limp. um, And to me, it wasn't your body. You, you, You have a wrestling match that you need to attend. And that wrestling match is between you and the Lord. And I pray that you really get into it with him because you're going to come out limping and marked as a memory and a memorial of who he is in you. It's a brokenness that he's going to bring to your heart. The Lord wants us to be of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. What Jonathan was seeing over you is The broken heart and contrite spirit season, it's upon you. And if you wrestle God instead of everything else and everyone else, but if you just wrestle with God, he'll win. You're going to want him to in the middle of the match anyways. And then he'll mark you and you're going to be grateful for it. And he'll set a memorial up to his name and you'll lead people right back to his name. I just encourage you. There's a Jacob's ladder encounter if you want it. You know, you have to be like a child to want to even think you can climb a ladder. But you get to climb a Jacob's Ladder if you'd like to. And you just have to want it. And may the Lord give it to you. Um.
1: You know, I want to leave with an application for, for, you know, kind of like the overall theme of the meeting and, and, you know, God creating value and understanding what he doesn't value. And, you know, the, the way we get into perfect alignment with God is we just agree with him. And if you are going to be out of alignment, it's just as simple as you're just disagreeing with God. The way you stay in alignment with God is you agree with him. Is there anybody in here that can just testify that anything that I've talked about would hit home where you think that you have been disagreeing with God and you want to agree with him now? Does is anybody, is, does anything that I've said today hit home? Just show me, I need to see a hand, you know. Let's do this. Let's just say, Lord, I'm sorry for disagreeing with you. Now I just want to come into alignment. And I want to agree with you now. Thank you for being so patient and merciful with me as a daughter and a son. Holy Spirit, breathe on everybody in this room. Let the revelation of how valuable they are, the worth of who they are, saturate them and haunt them the rest of this week that they cannot escape the revelation of how valuable and how esteemed we are as a people that love you, but also because you loved us enough to redeem us. Is there anybody here wrestling with their agreement with the Lord on a personal level on whether or not you are just choosing to like be, you know, indecisive or confused on whether or not you really want to follow him? Is there anybody in here in that place? See, I don't really do the altar call thing. But, you know, I just figured I would pray for you. If no one's wrestling with that, then, yeah, that is, that is. Lord, thank you for such a devoted group of people.
0: Yeah. Got one more thing. Last thing I have for the gentleman is uh, Ruth. Um, it's chapter th- uh, chapter 3 and uh, verse 3. Uh, now do as I tell you. Take a bath and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. And when I say... Sur- when I saw the word clothes, uh, the Lord wanted me to give you that too, that there's an anointing for designing clothes, there's an anointing for branding and clothing, um, and you need to have some serious faith to get that portion of your project done, and get it done fast and swift so that God can do the next thing, but there is a gift with you with some really nice clothes. It's right there in the Bible, and I feel like that was supposed to be an encouragement to you, uh, and I'm sure you don't need a bath. If you like clothes, you're probably clean, but... Um That was it. Thank
1: you Praise God. Well, let's uh, let's stand to our feet. I think we got a lot of nuggets this morning to go and process through. Praise the Lord. How many of you are challenged, huh? You know, I, I'm, I'm just grateful for God bringing all the different talents to come together to bear. So, Lord, I ask that you just, I agree with John, let the revelation of the of the value of God and the things that are important to God take root in us. So, we bless now.
0: Lord, I want to invite our ministry team. If you're here, you need any personal ministry, come on forward. Um, God bless you. We'll be here tomorrow night. we got got a ladies meeting group, right?
1: Uh, ladies meeting tomorrow night at 630. Men's group at 7. Wednesday night, Bishop is
0: bringing, Pastor Bishop is bringing it. So, come on. Praise God. Thank you all for being here.